So we're going to invite Kristen McKinney uh, to come. Nicole shared about the rather curious path by which uh, she met Stephanie. I randomly one day texted a pastor friend of mine and said, do you still have a pastor's group meeting at your church? He said, yeah, 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 come on over. It's in my office one Thursday. And I come in and I, I met um, Stephanie's friend, Mike, who had been pastor of the Great Exchange. And then I met Bob McKenney at the same meeting and then said, I came home. I said, Nicole, I'd like the, a couple of the guys know the Stephanie person that you've been talking to. Then through, then through Bob, through Stephanie, Nicole heard about Christy. I heard about her through Bob, her husband. And she get, it's a long story. Anyway, it's a messy God thing. It's a timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly thing. And, um, and so we're, we're pleased to invite Christy to come up and share about uh, the lighthouse. And then after, after she's done sharing, um, we're going to take a few minutes for questions and answers if anybody has those. And so Christy, come on up. Fall down the stairs. Okay. If I go too close over here, I might topple down. That would be bad. <laughs> Can everybody hear me okay? Good morning. It's so lovely to be here with you all today. You know, it's it's hard. We miss when we can't be at our own churches, and but it's also like amazing to just come and see extended church family and just feel the love. So I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Um, so this morning, I'm here to tell you about the lighthouse. Um, but I cannot tell you about the lighthouse without telling you a bigger story. And and it's not my story. It's, it's God's story. This whole thing is God's story. And I have a part in that story. Um, and many people actually have a part in this particular story, but I'm going to start there. I first want to just tell you a statistic, and I know we have some some kids in here, so trust me, parents, I'm going to keep this pretty reasonable. So, um, But some statistics I want to share with you is that one in six boys and one in four girls will be sexually abused before they turn 18. And what's more uh, shocking, if that's not something you've heard before, is that only one out of every 10 children who have been sexually abused ever come forward. One out of 10. And so what happens to those nine for every child that, that is coming forward and getting the help and getting the support? What's happening to those nine that aren't? And I'll tell you, they're living in, in silence. They're living in fear. They're living with shame. Seeds have been planted telling them that they are not good people. And they're carrying that into their life. And it's ending up showing up in very different ways, destructive ways oftentimes. So I will tell you that I am one of those statistics. I'm not only one of the four, but I'm also one in the ten. And so when I was five years old and I was sexually abused by my stepfather, I just knew at that moment, and it actually was one of my very first memories, was I am a very bad person and no one can ever find out about it. So that was my first memory as a five-year-old girl. 
So life goes on, right? And I move on and, um, and you know, I move, I go on with my life. I'm still living in the family with my stepfather. We're a middle class, upper middle class family in Connecticut. Nobody knows of anything going on. And, um, and I get into high school and I'm a track runner. And, and so sure enough, I am a perfect victim for somebody because I have this broken antenna where I am not sensing danger, danger. I am not sensing any of that. And so my coach takes me under his wing and for four years grooms me and then ultimately sexually assaults me. So again, I'm back to, I'm ashamed. No one can ever, ever know. And so I, I go off to college and I decide no more track, not doing that anymore. And this, the path of destruction just starts rolling in my life. And on the outside, you know, I'm, I'm looking okay. I'm looking all right. But on the inside, I am a mess. And, um, and so I continue on. I end up getting some counseling. I start talking to people about what has happened in my life. And things are looking up. And it's, it's really... It, it was looking wonderful, and I start getting into, I, I become a psychology major in college. I start um, deciding, I'm going to help these kids. This is what God put me on this earth to do, is help children who have been abused. And I didn't really know God. So this was God who was this big in my life. But I, I was, you know, it was easy for me to be like, God put me on this earth to do this work so that I can give back. And, um, and so I, you know, start becoming pretty successful. I open up child advocacy centers all over New Hampshire. I have, you know, I'm getting all these awards. I'm getting all these accolades. And man, was I feeling good, right? I'm doing God's work and I'm, and I'm getting all this recognition for it. Well, you know what? It was just not exactly what I needed at all. And it was I, looking for those awards, looking for all that attention was just my way of just hiding and running away from the darkness that I felt. So through that was lots of drinking, was lots of, of just not helpful behavior in my life. Bad relationships over and over again, just not, not good. And then I met Jesus. I met Jesus. Like, he just showed up in my life. And all of a sudden, I was like, wait, I need healing in Jesus. And, and let me tell you, I'm a late bloomer. This was only 10 years ago. And, uh, and so I started to really change. My life just started to change. And I started to really see who I needed and who my identity was in. And, um, and it was amazing. And I had quit drinking. I've been sober now for almost eight years. And it was, it was like God just started building up in my life. And it was, it was amazing. So through that, um, I started, the Holy Spirit was just like, man, you got to tell people about this. Like, I'm still in my career of helping kids, but I'm like, I got to talk to women who like don't know Jesus, who have maybe had this happen to them or had other traumas. Like, Jesus is who can heal you. 
And so I just, on the side, you know, from my regular secular career, I was just starting this ministry called Light of Life. And I was just going to write some blogs. And, and again, God was just pouring through me of just remembering things in my past. And oh, by the way, he was there for all of it. He was there for all of it. And, and that might be hard to, for people to hear, like, how can God let that happen? But amen. I look back and I'm like, oh, thank you, God, that you were there. Because now you are here with me too. And you are helping me to reach other people. But that's a whole other story. So, so, um, so yeah, so God shows up in my life. And uh, I quit drinking. And God's like, hey, you need to tell other people. So we start Light of Life Ministries. But then that just didn't feel like it was enough. And over and over again, I kept thinking, how can I share this? So we developed a Bible study and through all of the blogs, and we called it Out of Darkness. And this Bible study was to, I was going to bring it to churches and offer it for free for people who wanted to heal in Jesus, for women in particular who, who had been abused and just wanted that healing. And so it's an eight-week process of um, going through, you know, shame and uh, trust issues and body image issues. And, and how, does, how does the Bible, what does the Bible say about that? What does God say about that? And um, so through that process came this lighthouse where God, in his typical way, not like Morgan Freeman, Christy, you need to open the lighthouse, but kind of like that. It was like I was driving and I called my husband and was like, I, I think I have to open a, a place, a transitional housing program, and it's called the lighthouse. Like, and luckily... My, my husband did not say, okay, you're crazy, honey. And, but he was like, yeah, duh. And, uh, and so, so, again, with God pushing me, pushing every way, because I kept saying, no, 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 this is insane. I have this big job. I ha everything's good. I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't drink. Like, what? I'm good. Like, we're good. And, uh, but no. God just kept pushing. And so I developed this program. It's called The Lighthouse. And um, I even feel weird saying I developed it because really it was God. And it's a nine to 12 month program where women who are in crisis can come to heal. And the women that I'm saying are in crisis are in crisis because of substance use disorder, because of sex trafficking, because of domestic violence, because of mental illness, um, because of homelessness. And almost all of them, actually, who am I kidding? All of them also have a history of being sexually abused or at least traumatized in some way. And so this house is for them to come and heal in Jesus. And so this nine to 12 month program, they come in, they live, they live like a family in a home that is loving and filled with Jesus loving things. <laughs> and, and, um, and so we have classes every day. Um, we have classes in the morning. We have classes in the afternoon that are all Christian based and they are all around helping to heal um, through, again, substance use, through other addictions. Um, and then we also connect them in the community. So we're kind of a weird organization in that we are a Christian organization, but we're also a community organization because 
it feels like that's really important, right? We don't want to just hide them in a box and say, okay, you're going to get healed, but then we're going to kick you out and go fend for yourself in the world. No, we want to connect them in the community as well, because eventually they're going to be the lights in the community. So we go, and so the women are connected with counselors, with medical professionals, um, substance use disorder counselors, um, and wellness. So, you know, we do wellness activities. And so it's this all around work to help them to heal holistically in all of that. Again, with Jesus at the center. And then my most favorite part is that we have partner churches. <clears throat> and so our partner churches are there for the women to go to. So the women get to go and visit a church and, and maybe go a few times and find a church that feels really good to them. It feels like their church family. You know how that feels, right? When you're like, oh yeah, this is my church. Like you know it the minute you're at a church. Um, and so the, the reason we do that is because we want them to, to find that authentic, loving church family relationship because when they leave, that church family is who is continuing to care for them and love them. Um, and so that has been an amazing part, and I'm, I'm most excited about that part because this is a project that is all Christ-centered. And anything that I've tried to do in this project where I tried to take control, it never worked. <laughs> and it, it didn't. It never worked, which is why this whole thing is God. Many, many times I have had to bow down and just be like, yep. I need to be more obedient to what God is, is leading me on this, um, in this house. And so right now, I'm happy to say we, we uh, when this whole thing started, and again, I could talk for like five hours, and I'm not going to. Pastor's like, please don't. Um, <laughs> but when this whole thing happened where God, you know, put, came and said, you got to do this, um, we had no money. This is a nonprofit that had no money associated with it. And, um, and so long story short, we ended up getting $458,000 from the city of Manchester to purchase and renovate a Christian house. If that's not God, I don't know what is. Like, because th there's no way that would have happened. And it was right, that as soon as we started talking to the aldermen, the pandemic happened. So um, it, it was all God. And then since then, we have just had churches come around us, individuals come around us, Christians that are supporting us financially. So we were able to open in December. And we have six ladies in our house right now. And I have just got to tell you, it is amazing. You're the first church I'm talking to since we actually have women in the house. And I cannot even describe every day when I'm in there it is like, wow, God is in this house and he is doing amazing things in each and every one of these women. Um, a few things that really have come up for me um, that were surprising is the, the age range. So we have women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60. So we have this range that we had no idea that that would be the range. Um, I also had no idea how fast these women would bond with each other. Like, they are a family. Like, I, you know, talk about them, but they are a family. They sit together every night. They have dinner together. They eat meals together. They pray together. And they argue. And, <laughs> and you know what? 
after they argue, they pray for the person they're just arguing with. Like, it's amazing what God is doing. And, um, and so I just see, like, that amazing light that is just sparking and growing. And um, so eventually, you know, after the 9 to 10 months, 9 to 12 months, they will move on. We have a, a revive center where we will continue to, to connect with these women and keep supporting them as they're out in the world, as they are out in their jobs, in their um, apartments, where, wherever they are. And so... Um, you know, we tell them all the time, you will forever be our family. Whether you're in this house or not, we are family forever. Um, and so it's just magnificent. I will tell you one last thing about these women is, and, and God, um, I have two case managers right now, and the three of us all agree, like, how is it that these women have come in and, like, immediately we love them so much? Like, we love them. And that's God. God, like we, like these are complete strangers to us, um, but the love is is unbelievable. And uh, so, here is what uh, you know. I'm here because I want to tell you about this program that is amazing and that is doing amazing work, and it's all God. Um, but the story, you know, of this in my life with God and then coming here now and doing this full-time ministry. Um, But the story's not over yet because these women and God is just, it's eternity. And he's just going to continue to work. And we are all going to be in eternity together. And that is just amazing to me. Um, So what I'm asking of you is please pray. Uh, that is our number one thing. This all happens and happened because of prayer. Um, and, you know, the enemy w- attacks all the time, and we're used to it at this point. But, man, the prayers are what help us through those. And so please pray. Pray over the house. Pray over the women. Um, and pray that we would continue to to receive support and funding as well. Um, please also consider supporting us. And you can check us out. You can, you know, again, I thought we were going to get funding from the state or something. And God's like, nope, Uh, this is something that is going to be funded by Christians. And it really is. It's like 80% is coming from Christians that are just individually supporting us, um, as well as churches. And so, you know, I ask for you to consider being a church that supports us also. Um, But again, the just staying connected and maybe volunteering with us. We have lots of volunteer opportunities. Um, and so I ask that you write your name and your email on the um, form if you haven't already, and we can reach out to you. You will be on our, our uh, newsletter. And so you can see the different ways that you can volunteer, either directly working with women or doing you know, other volunteer things like you know, the big clean out of the basement. <laughs> which is going to happen in the spring. Um, So I'm happy to take questions now. Okay, so let the kids head down. We'll probably be another 20 minutes or so, 20, 25 minutes. So we'll let the kids head down real quick. I should have dismissed them before you started talking, but that's what happens when I have 87 million things floating around in my head. all right, so what we want to do is uh, we're going we're gonna to ask Christy some questions. And normally when we do the Q&A, we kind of sit in here and it's very casual and relaxed and everything. There's a lot of stuff up here. 
Um, but I, I want to, I want the primary thing, I guess my first question for you, Christy, just real quick, just in terms of solid numbers, um, how much does it cost to run the lighthouse on a, on a month, and how much do you get, do you have? <laughs> That's a great question. So God has been very good. We just uh, completed our, our new budget for the upcoming year, and it costs about $16,000 per month to run the house. Um, the good news is we don't pay a lot into the house because we we bought it. Like it's it it is ours, um, and so uh, you know a lot of the the money that we use is for staff and to and to for client specific related things. Um, and so yes, so yeah. And so I'm going to ask a pointed question because you brought up staff. So how many staff do you need, and how many staff do you have? Thank you. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we currently have, um, we have myself and we have two case managers that work during the day. Um, and then we have some overnight resident assistants. And these are positions where from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. and they can sleep. They're just in the house, a support person, a Christian, you know, who is there and available in case there's an emergency. What we really need is a couple more of those overnight resident assistants so that when somebody is sick, we have somebody else to be there. And we also need some uh, weekend case management. So it's like, you know, a per diem kind of thing. Think of like a nurse, like you sign up for two Saturdays a month and you work 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. on that Saturday and you get a stipend. Um, and that stipend is $180. So if anybody knows of anybody, or please just pray um, because we really need need that staff. So. Other questions we have? Only female, yes. Yep. Other questions? I will just want, I will say something else about that though. You know, I think it's really important. Um, so my husband, who's a pastor, he comes in the house periodically. The women know him too because they come to our church sometimes and um, and they come to our Bible studies or whatnot. And I think it's really important for women to see healthy relationships. And so if we had situations where a couple wanted to come in to do some kind of event or activity, like that would be great because I think that's important is to have, to see positive men and male-female interactions. God. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it is God. But they, uh, yes, they're referred um, through agencies, different agencies, um, Families in Transition, through 1269 Cafe, through the Cypress Center. Um, so word has spread because honestly, I get calls every day, multiple calls every day for people that want to come in and we have to turn them away, which is very difficult to do. Yeah. Um, but we do. And I, I think it's it's important that we... We've we've done this a little bit with the homeless the homeless connections with with Mike going out and seeing what is there what it, we don't see the invisible needs um, this is a tremendous need uh, especially especially in Manchester now uh, now these issues exist in Merrimack and areas like that you need to understand Manchester we don't like to talk about the reality of sex trafficking and drugs and and all of those things it is a very very very, very uh, big thing. Uh, it is happening 
on all levels all through our culture. And we think, well, we're in New Hampshire. We're not dealing with that. Um, I can refer you to several people that will point you to that. And the other side of it is, in terms of the network of the church, it could be much, much more robust to be able to support ministries like the Lighthouse. Um, it's crazy to think that in a city of, I know there's only 165,000 people, or whatever there is in, Mar in Manchester, there are two of these kind of ministries, right? That's it, two. Um, that, that, that's mind-blowing to me, um, how, how, how much support is, how much work is needed and how much we're able to do. Um, other questions? Great question. Uh, we can have up to 10 women, and we can have their children. Um, so if women have children, they can also come. Uh, right now, we don't have any children in, in the house, but yeah, up to 10. Other questions? Mike. Yeah, well, right now, so... So right now we have six women, and remember, we just opened in December, and so we have, in, in increments of a couple of weeks at a time, we've brought in the, these women, and we are at a place where we need to pause and let them acclimate, get there, get, just, it's, it, we need to pause <laughs> and have things kind of settle, and, and the staff settle too, because we're brand new, so we're at this place where we're saying like, oops, we don't have a policy for that or, oh, we didn't think of that. And so we're like kind of, you know, continuing to strengthen the foundation. Um, in a couple of months, we will have another group that will come in and, and do that again. So that's one of the reasons. The other reason is sometimes, um, well, if I tell, I tell them what, that we're a Christian organization, even though all are welcome, some people actually don't want that. Um, also, if they are um, in a place where maybe it's their primary situation is a mental health situation, but they're not really, um, you know, have any trauma or we are not equipped to handle that kind of like acute or uh, on, ongoing mental health. And sadly, there's so much of, of that, of just people with mental illness that need housing. I mean, yeah. we could talk about that on a whole other yeah. day too. Yeah, there's, there's, this is... We could really open a can of worms. We could, we could literally spend, and we may at some point, just planting the seed, we, may, we could literally spend an entire weekend dealing with all of these kind of levels of ministries that, that for the most part, and I'm not saying there aren't churches and Christians out there doing it, but for the most part, this is very invisible to the church, in New England particularly. Um, uh, and, and so it's, it's one of those things um, that's sitting out there. There's, there's all kinds of, issues. And, and I'm just going to add on to this. Put too many people into this program at once, you're not going to be able to support them properly. So you might be able to push them through the system, but they've been pushed through, their, through the system their entire lives. And what we want to do is build uh, a network, just like we did with our church, our congregation, where we went, okay, this is not about how many people can we jam into the space. It's about how can we be healthy, how can we grow, how can we, how, how can we let the Holy Spirit work. If we don't give the Holy Spirit space, uh, we can't expect him to, to work in people's hearts. So, um, so that's a very important facet, and I appreciate going, going slow. You guys know me. I'm, I'm a go-slower kind of person when it comes to this kind of stuff. Other questions?
So thank you. Great question. So it's the program is nine to twelve months. Um, I technically it's technically nine months, but we add on the twelve months also just in case there's some hiccups or whatever. Um, and also that that last three months is is really about supporting them out in the community as they're as they do start new jobs, new education, whatever they're doing. Um, we do collect rent. So right now, a lot of the women we're getting through Section 8 housing. So we we get rent from them. If they don't qualify or whatever, then we have a percentage of their income that goes. But it's a very small amount. And the reason we do that is this, is that, is they to have some skin in the game. Um, and also, you can't be teaching about financial, uh, you know, betterment if you're just not paying anything. Um, so... I will say um, also one of the things that I did not mention is that we have a program called Crown Financial. Many of you might have heard of that. It's a Christian-based financial mentoring program. And so at phase three, which is that last part of their stay with us, they actually go through that program with a mentor that's a Christian woman um, that really helps them with budgeting, with figuring out like all of that, down payment, down. We want to set them up for success. Um, and so the other thing is that um, in the house, just not monetarily, they, you know, everybody has chores, everybody has responsibilities. It's a very structured environment in that way. Um, although I'll say it's very structured, but it's also, God is so good. The women just take it up. They just do it. Like, it's not like, do your chores. It's like everybody wants to pitch in. They all want to be there. This is a program that is not mandatory. So they want to be there. They want it to work. They want to help in the house. They want to, you know, somebody gets hurt. People are helping the others, that person do their chores. Like it's amazing to watch um, all that is happening. So I hope that answered your question. It was very long because that's what I do. So we have three phases, or four phases, including the one out in the community. So the three phases is one, stabilization. So that's the first three months. That's getting stable. If they are addicted, that is detoxing and, and just getting. Um, we are able to, we provide medication, which um, the only other program that's similar to us does not allow people to be on any medication. So we are actually the only one of our kind in the city. But... So stabilization is, you know, getting a wellness check, getting checked out mentally, mental health wise, you know, getting medication set, making sh like just, you know, what it sounds like. Um, and so that's the first phase. And then the second phase is to really dig deep more into the healing, um, being more involved with the AA meetings, which we do have them go out to if, if, if they need that, um, being more involved with their counselor, um, setting up goals with us and kind of making headway in that way. At that point too, we have um, some outside sources where we do, we will be doing some um, volunteer work like through the animal shelter. And so they can be going out more and more with that kind of thing. Um, and then three, the third phase, that's when they can actually start like if they want to, let's say, for example, the New Hampshire Food Bank is amazing, and they have this program where you can, and we get food from them, and you can 
um, for eight weeks be trained to be in the culinary arts and it's free. And so if one of our women was interested in that, then in the third phase, they would be able to go every day. We would drive them to that to be trained. Um, so the same is for school. If at that point they want to be going back to school or online or other job training things, that's in that third phase when they're getting ready to launch, as we say. So Christy's going to be available after service to answer some other questions. Um, I think it, it's it's tremendous uh, to be able to to participate in this. So thank you so much. Thank you for coming. So hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm gonna I'm gonna reboot just for a second, just because of time. We're gonna let the la the women of the well are gonna finish us out. I'm gonna give you the shortest sermon you've ever heard from me. Are you ready? All right, so all the announcements are in the bulletin, but I, 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 part, of me, part of me felt like, okay, well, I've just moved the, the message to next week. However, everything from what Ray shared at the, at the, the Lord's table um, to the music that was sung uh, to what Christy just shared fit in with the passage of Scripture we're supposed to cover today. So I just want to give it to you. I want to give you a couple of thoughts, and then I'm going to invite the ladies to come up and finish us up. Um, and, and you can just sing us out, sing us out. I know. I know, disorganized religion, right? Um, I just want to share with you from the book of Colossians real quick. Last week we talked about Jesus being the transcendent sustainer of all things and, and talked about how he, he is both the firstborn of creation and the firstborn of the resurrection from the dead. But I, I want to just grab our response to that real quick in Colossians chapter 1. And I want to start with verse 21 because this is where... Christy was talking about when Jesus met me, this is the moment. This is the shift. You who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. You who were once um, alienated and literally mind enemies. That your thoughts were in opposition to God. You who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, the Greek word is porneia, um, wickedness, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. This is talking about Jesus. In order to present you. And we need to claim this moment in Scripture. We need to claim, first of all, I was an enemy of God. We, we don't like to talk about ourselves that way. We like to think we're not too bad. I was okay before Jesus showed up. I was not okay before Jesus showed up. I was an alien. My mind was turned against him. But then he reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death. Um, and, and by the way, in, in Greek, um, the word alienated and the word reconciled, they, they rhyme. Okay, they have, a, they have a rhythmic nature. I'm not going to bore you with all of that. That's the con contrast. But he says, in order to present you how? Holy, blameless, and above reproach, where? Before him. See, we talk about the gospel being about Jesus. And even my transformation is about him. Because he loves you so much, he wants to give you to himself. 
not in the state that we are in when he finds us, but transformed by his grace. And when we don't get an idea of that, we drag around with us all the darkness that we hide and we pretend that doesn't exist, right? And, and Christy talked about her background, and we could all talk about our background, but there, there, we, we drag it around and we think about the past all the time. Oh, this turned me into a person. This, this did this to me. I'm no good. This happens to me because of my past. And then we, we try to make it go away. It doesn't go away. It doesn't disappear when you become a believer. Your pain, your past does not disappear. What happens is that God takes that. Jesus takes it. And he makes you holy and he's blameless and above reproach. Now, how does he do that? He reconciles you to himself through himself. Jesus takes all of our darkness, all of our shadows, all of our brokenness, all of our suffering, all of our past. He takes it on himself. It's okay. He can handle it. And he presents us to himself. You know that when God looks at us, he does not see that he sees Jesus. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach for him, before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, I just want to grab this moment here. There's so many people that read that, if indeed you continue, and they think, I will be presented to Christ, holy, blameless, and above reproach, if I do a good job. That is not what Paul is saying. Because I want you to read this the right way. If you continue in the faith. Does it say, if you continue in your faith? No. It says, if you continue in the faith. Jesus is the faithful one. The faith is continuing in him. Not being perfect. Not, not fixing all the problems of myself so that I'm, I'm good enough. But rather, simply finding my identity in him. You will become stable and steadfast. Not shifting from the hope. You know what you, know what you need to be as a Christian? You need to be settled in the reality of who you are in Jesus. Because if you are not, you're going to be up and down constantly. You're going to constantly feel that you're not adequate because if every time you fail, it's your fault. Every time you succeed, it's your credit. And the reality is, it's all about Jesus. 